sins away. Oh, say much I'm glad. From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Dr. Shelton Smith, and this is Making a Difference. It's our joy and delight to welcome you today. We thank the Lord for the privilege we have to be here every day this week, five days a week, right here at this time on this station. And I'm delighted you've joined us today and hope you will do so as often as you possibly can. We talk about some of the things that we find in the Bible, things that will be helpful to us, things that we need to understand day by day. We do so with an open Bible. And I'm going to begin today, maybe take a few days here, to talk to you about law and grace. A lot of folks simply do not understand what really the Bible has to say about both of those subjects. So we're going to talk about that starting today, and we'll just work through it as we go here for several days. Now, let me remind you that today I'm at the Riverland Baptist Church in Dunellen, Florida, and we're there for conferences tonight starting at 7 o'clock, and then tomorrow morning the services will begin at 10 o'clock, and then again tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock. I'll be there tonight and tomorrow morning, and there'll be other speakers at the other times. So I hope that you'll join us if you're there in the central Florida area. Dunellen is near Ocala, so we hope that if you live anywhere in that area between Tampa and Jacksonville, that you'll find your way and come to be with us at the Riverland Baptist Church in Dunellen. Now let's look at our topic today. We're talking about law and grace. You know, the general perception that people have is that the Old Testament is law, and the New Testament is grace. And they do not seem to figure out the real full story in regard to law and grace. I want to build this around one key verse. In John chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible tells us, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So obviously, law is one thing, grace is another. In fact, there's another word here in this passage that is very key as well, and that's the word truth. So we have two things to consider on one side of the spectrum and one on the other, which I think you'll see very clearly once we get into this. Law and grace, they're both things that are right here in the Bible. What do we make of the two of them? You see, a question came up the other day that reminded me about this, and it's one that I hear quite often. Sometimes people will say, well, really the Old Testament was all under the law. Everybody that got saved got saved by keeping the law, and uh, really they think then, those who take that position, that when you get to the New Testament era, that the law is gone, it's over and done, it has no point, no purpose whatsoever. And uh, they ask the question then about this sometimes in their moments of doubt and trying to figure it out. They will say, well, is the law even applicable at all today? Is there anything about the law from the Old Testament that needs to be considered today? And they'll do so sometimes saying, well, if salvation is by grace, do we still need to keep the law? Well, dear friends, here is the problem. Some people are somewhat nodding to God. I mean, they will acknowledge that God is, but they are working feverishly in the keeping of the law in hopes that somehow the keeping of the law will get them into heaven. There are others who say, oh yes, they're saved, but they're living such a loose life 
such an unchristian lifestyle that if you were to look, observe, I mean, do any kind of an analysis of who they are, there would be nothing that would indicate, or maybe very little that would indicate, that they have any ties to God at all. And there are some people, on the other hand, who mix faith and works with equal weight, so much so that they'll say, oh yes, I'm believing God, I'm trusting God, but I'm working, 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 and if I don't keep working, 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 then I don't stay safe. Folks, listen, all of this is just confusion. All of this is not where the Bible is. So let's take a look and let's see what we can find out first about law and then about grace. Whenever you think about the law, you need to go to Exodus chapter 20 and review what God has given here in this passage. This is the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, sometimes just simply called the Ten Words, because these are ten stated, stipulated mandates of the Lord, and he gives those in very precise manner to Moses, and uh, those are repeated then in Deuteronomy chapter 5. So we have two statements of the law, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, and here's what the law is. Here is what was given to Moses. The first four commandments have to do with our relationship to God. Verse 3 of chapter 20 of Exodus says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That means that our concept of God should be monotheistic. There's one God, and we should pay attention to him and not let these other so-called gods get in the mix. The second commandment is, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or in the earth beneath. And the Bible tells us very clearly in this that we are not to be doing idols. We're not to be carving statues and other kinds of things and making gods out of them. Dear friends, the God who made us and the gods that men make are two things different from each other entirely. These gods that men make are not gods at all except in man's mind and imagination. The God who is real is the God who is the creator. And these two first commandments tell us that we need to pointedly give priority to him and let him have full place in our life, and these other gods, so-called, do not deserve any place at all. The third commandment is in verse 7 that says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Now, oftentimes we read that and we assume that has to do with swearing, and obviously it does. There's no question about that. When you use God's name in some kind of a profane way, you're violating this commandment. But at the same time, we can sign on to the name of God and go out and live such trashy lives that we really are profaning God in the process. We're embarrassing God in the process. And I think when we do, we violate this commandment. The fourth commandment, and this one is the one that we look at and we know that God, because he rested on the seventh day, he set that up as a day of Sabbath or a day of rest. And he simply says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So the Lord provides a day for us. 
And in the Old Testament, it was designed one way, and come the New Testament era, it became Sunday or the first day of the week. You read the book of Acts, and the early Christians were meeting on the first day of the week. In fact, when Jesus met with the disciples after his resurrection a couple of times there, the Bible pointedly says it was on the first day of the week. So we worship the Lord, we celebrate his resurrection, we make Sunday the Lord's day, and uh, that honors this day of rest that the Lord has asked us to make a part of our life. Now, we get down to the next part of this, verse number 12. We get the first of these commands that are in reference to man's relationship to man. Verse 12 says, we're to honor thy father and thy mother. This is a pointed commandment, dear friend, and one that absolutely gets so ignored, one that gets so abused by so many people. So many young people these days seem to despise their parents. They despise their heritage. They do not have any sense of real understanding of how they got into the world and the obligation they have. God says you're to honor your father and your mother. Then verse 13 says, "'Thou shalt not kill.'" Now, that passage is just talking about how that a person goes out, decides to take somebody else's life, and that is not anything that anybody ought to be doing. Murder is off the charts wrong. It just absolutely is one of those things that should never occur. Now, when we read the Bible further, there are stipulations that the Lord gives whereby that society can do what it needs to do when capital crimes are committed. And yes, capital punishment is scriptural, and the Bible lays that out very clearly, and we'll talk about that on another day. I'm just simply saying the general rule here is you're not to kill. And then verse 14 says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. This has to do with our moral behavior, our sexual behavior, and how that we respond to other people in this regard. God's given us some commands about marriage, for example. Man and a woman get married. They're to be loyal to each other. They're to be true to each other. They're not to be taking other people into the equation and having intimate relationships with them. Verse 15 then says, Thou shalt not steal. That is, your property is your personal right to hold and to own. Yes, the Bible does teach personal ownership. It does refute the claims of socialism. It does, in fact, lay out very clearly some of the great principles on which the nation of America was founded and which we believe ought to still be strongly in the mix. Verse number 16 says, thou shalt not bear false witness. That simply means we're to be truth tellers. We're not to be liars. We are to give the truth about whatever it is that we're talking about at any given moment of the day. We don't have to be under oath. We don't have to put our hand on the Bible, and we don't have to promise, you know, to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We don't have to do that. Listen, dear friends, I mean, if you go into a courtroom, they'll ask you to do that, and you can do that and should. But day by day in your personal relationships, you ought not to be having to sign on like that. When people listen to you, they ought to know that you are a truth teller. Now, verse 17 has the 10th of the commandments, and that one says, Thou shalt not covet. It's talking about your neighbor's property. Once again, here we have free enterprise. We have personal property rights under consideration. And this one simply says, You're not to covet your neighbor's house or his wife or his servants or his animals. Nothing that is your neighbor's. Instead, every person's personal property is to be respected. And you and I ought not to be trying to figure out some way to go after what somebody else has and do it in some kind of a lustful way. So here we have these 10 commandments. These things really 
are the law of God. They've always been the law of God. They're stated very clearly here, and you and I have an obligation to lay hold of those and to let those principles dominate our life. You say, well, okay, so the law is in the Old Testament. Well, that's where we find it, yes. But you say, well, is that the end of it? Well, listen a little bit further here. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So these great principles, Jesus did not set those aside at all. He is telling us that these principles are the eternal principles on which society ought to be built and on which you and I should format our moral character. He goes on to say in verse 18 of Matthew 5, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law until all be fulfilled. Verse 19, he says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So the Lord is just making clear these principles are still real. They're still true. They're still right. All right, one more verse. Jesus said in verse 20, I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So right here, we're about to make a transition, dear friends, to grace. And we're going to talk about that when we get together here tomorrow. Let me just simply say, these principles are in the Bible. They're the guidelines for our moral character. But no one was saved then or is saved now simply by the keeping of the law. Let's hold on till tomorrow. Our time has run out here, and we'll talk about this tomorrow and give you the full picture as we go. Such a privilege it is for me every day to be right here on this station and to have some time with you with an open Bible. And we're talking now today and for several days on the broadcast about law and grace. Moses gave us the law, but the Lord Jesus gave us grace and truth. So let's stay tuned for what we'll look at these next few days. I would love to hear from you, so write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133, or the email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. And I want to invite you as well to check us out at our website at swordofthelord.com. Well, dear friends, thank you for being along today. God bless you. Have a good rest of the day and goodbye for now.